Welcome to Mudville, a podcast about baseball and cinema. I'm Brody Stout. I'm Nolan Rabine. We hope you enjoy. Working at a school, which, right, by the way, the protagonists of allegedly the uh, yeah allegedly the kids found my uh, or found the podcast. Guys, if you're listening now, so if you hear this and you come up to me and say the phrase "Boston Johnny," I'll give you two dollars. Damn! First kid to do it, not like anybody who does it because it's, it's just yeah. Because then you're the gonna first go one, yeah, the first first kid okay. to do it. Gets two dollars. First kid to do it gets two bucks. So now hold on, because one kid might listen to this, and then the uh, the guts to then not tell their friends. Interesting. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll see. Damn. We'll see what happens. Okay. If you come up to me and say the phrase "Boston Johnny," I'll give you two dollars. Boston Johnny. Boston Johnny. All right. Okay. All right. Wednesday, May twenty fourth. We've Wednesday, got May Mudville for the people. We're back with a very fun episode. I don't know if you saw last night, but we got certainly uh, one of the most cinematic shots of the year uh, of the baseball season and our very own Yankee Stadium as a squirrel got loose. That was quite the roller coaster of emotions. (laughs) Scaled the fence of in front of the right field bleachers yeah the reactions of the fans in oh God, the great. front row just the difference between the like soy facing <laughs> duo and like the old man who was just happy to see the squirrel I, like I would i would like to think that i'd be more closer to the old man in that scenario but i can't even imagine if i was sitting in the stadium and a squirrel showed up in front of me yeah i mean i would just be enjoying myself i don't know what would be going on but <laughs> i like to think that i wouldn't be soy facing over a squirrel you heard it here first. No one hates really. squirrels. No, no. See, I'm, I'm not an anti-squirrel guy. I'm, you strike me as anti-squirrel. No, I, I would say I'm I'm largely indifferent. Are towards, you pro-squirrel? You're not pro-squirrel. No, I'm, I'm indifferent towards most squirrels, but I will say sometimes they can amuse me. I'm um, pro-squirrel proudly. Did you see the thing on Twitter? All of the corporate advertisers said bye-bye to elon so all that was left was this like bird feeder that flings squirrels <laughs> off of it like if a squirrel gets oh, on to try to like weight goes and it spins yeah and it yeah. goes like we and like yeah, there's like a bunch practice. of them, like the squirrels just like flying off and frisbees I, off i kind of want one like i'm, I'm gonna get one from my it? dad for father's day oh, okay upstate spoiler dad sorry whoa yeah but that's um, really funny yeah, and then the the squirrel. So like after he's run past all of these people, uh, falls off of the fence and is like it propelling kind of himself. It was like yeah, I was like, what's gonna happen to the squirrel? <laughs> he goes like flying. His Flopped. little squirrel <laughs> arms and legs are flying all over the place, he, he and he lands in right field out and take off. <laughs> it didn't really go great for the squirrel. Yeah. Although I was worried. I thought he broke his little squirrel wrist or something. I don't know. Do squirrels have wrists? Well, you know what? It, Do they it, have four ankles? Do squirrels have wrists? Could a squirrel like tear it, its ACL and oh my be God. out for the season? Well, it was in Yankee Stadium. Well, so. here's a question if you that play I had. What out, if, if you touch the outfield of Yankee Stadium, odds are you're going to get injured at some point. <laughs> well, here's a question I had. Say there was like a line drive wall sure. scraper. Hits the squirrel. Oh, hit the squirrel. And, is the squirrel and fair play? Ricochets back 
squirrel goes over the fence. Ball hits the squirrel. Okay. Squirrel goes over the fence. Squirrel ball goes into the crowd. Goes back onto the field. Right. Into the fielder's glove. Right. Is that a, like a never touches the wall? Only touches the squirrel. Uh, I think you'd have to count the squirrel like a fan, what? right? I don't know. Was that's it, interesting. What would is the squirrel? The would it be a home run? Th- I. That's tough. If the ball Wait hit the squirrel, hold on. Goes what? back into fair play. Let me look at the fan interference. Squirrel squirrel goes flying. Hold on. Hold on. I want to clarify. The squirrel would be toast in this scenario. (laughs) I'm assuming a squirrel could not survive. We've seen what happens to birds. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Gallon killed a bird last week with a pitch. And then uh, Will Brennan of the Guardians, I think, also killed a bird and did like a whole tribute to it. Like he had a home run, did a a flapping. We had a funeral for a bird. (laughs) The only rule specifically refers to spectators. I so would say that a squirrel is not a spectator. There's no wildlife interference rule to that I can see. I I don't know about what well, maybe you know in between play that makes sense, but I don't know. Like, wait, hold on. Maybe wildlife. It's, would it be a ground rule double? Maybe interference, like an automatic squirrel MLB. double. Be let's see. So what happened? This is posted in sports.stackexchange.com slash questions. So this is really, this is where you're getting the answers. Okay. So let's say baseball gets hit to the outfield before a player can get it. A bird swoops down and steals the ball That's and flies away. That's a great away. question. What did the rules say? What would happen? Um, also, what would happen if it occurred while still in midair with four days of ground? There's only one answer. And he says, I've never heard of an animal removing a ball before. Well, that's not very fucking <laughs> You're not helpful. not really helping. Okay, Jesus. Manuel does suggest what should happen in the slightly more likely case of striking an animal. Wait a minute, wait a minute. If a batted or thrown ball strikes a bird in flight or other animal on the player playing field, consider the ball alive and in play the same as if it had not been touched. So, wow. Okay, so then... Wait, if a so pitched it ball would be strikes a bird in flight or oh, other animal okay. on the playing field, the pitch is nullified. So that's only on the pitch. Oh, only on the pitch. Okay. So, okay. So, so Randy Johnson's ball is dead. Right. This hypothetical but, homer is but, a homer. No, that, that would be an out. If it went back onto the playing oh, but, field and ooh. into the fielder's glove, it would so act the squirrel, like it had not been touched. The squirrel because is part it would of the be, wall? Then, if, if, if the squirrel scenario, is, if the squirrel is the where it was, if yeah. the squirrel just happens to be on the wall, the squirrel gets fucking smoked by the ball. <laughs> just um, absolutely. And just the ball cooked. goes, ricochets down into the fielder's glove. That would be an out. I think That's it would crazy. be. That's nuts. Wow. You learn, you learn something new you every day. You learn something new. Well, also, baseball, you see something new every time you watch a game, so you never know. It's Keep very true. It's nice to get some of the uh, squirrel talk out of the way, because uh, here on Mudville, we need to uh, address some corporate fuckery that has gone down all Are over. Are you referring... I'm referring to a lot of different things. That, that could be so many I'm things. I'm referring to so many things. First of all, did you see the fucking bullshit with the Dodgers? Uh, no. Wait, so what was the Dodgers bullshit? With their um, pride night. Okay. They um, so the, they, Is this a raised bullpen situation? Not not quite. Okay. It's, it's more of like an outside forces situation. But okay. So what, what happened is like they had a whole night planned. I think it was like June... Ninth or tenth or something become a tradition in the Dodger Stadium every year. They have this, sure, and they started to get uh, outside pressure from these Catholic organizations um, about the inclusion of 
a group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which oh, is a God. fucking sick name. Like <laughs> I, I didn't know who these people were. That's that an awesome name. Hard as shit. Yeah, I'm so into that. I would love that to see. That sounds like something that would be at my school. That's that would be like the than, governing board. <laughs> The Catholics haven't put out anything that hard since, like, the fucking cathedrals. No, the hardest thing that the Catholics ever put out was during... The Sistine Chapel. This is going to be a quick... Was that them? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's them. Who else would it be? Anyway. I don't know. The the hardest thing that anybody Catholic has ever done is when, during the Black Death, the Pope sat in a circle of fire. And that's just, like, 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 all the time. It's like a thing. I think it was Pope Urban II. Don't ask me why I know that. Yeah, well, they're, they're I don't not, know that for nothing, but that happened. Well, they're not burning in fires anymore. They're crying no, 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 about no. They woke toasters. He, he wasn't. He wasn't burning. Oh, okay. It was. Yeah, he, no. He of sat course in not. A he was all talk. No, he burned everybody else. Oh, was, yeah. I don't know if that was him, but like a true Catholic, he like, burned everybody else. Something and I don't made like it about burn him. him. Burn him, but Jesus. Anyway. <laughs> Pope Urban. We oh, just wait, lost all of our Catholic listeners. Sorry, Dude, guys. Um, that's like some of the I'm new ones that, that I got. I'm but <laughs> yeah, and the complaint was because this group, the sisters, like they they use like Catholic nun like imagery, but in a queer context. Like, okay. I, I don't really know what it is. But they it, well, it, Jesus it, is pretty ripped always. It, so that's already you're like halfway there. It like <laughs> offended a bunch of the the worst people in the country, including Senator Marco Rubio from Florida. Which, oh. if you're wondering if Los Angeles is in Florida, it's not. I didn't know that. So Thank you for clarifying. Marco Rubio, shut the fuck up. But anyway, did Ron DeSantis have anything to say about it? Probably no. He's too busy l- launching his presidential, just campaign. like slobbering all over the knob yeah. of the worst people in the country. Exactly. But yeah. um, the Dodgers did end up inviting them back, and like the group said that they accepted the apology after they made this announcement, and then everyone else was like, "Wait a minute, why are you catering to these awful people who you will never appease anyway?" Because <laughs> all that they want is to get rid of pride night and you know amidst this entire sure wave of anti-trans legislation naturally yeah um not to are you gonna go back back to the black plague (laughs) yeah no go go ahead just real quick there's just i was just reading about this i was trying to find the thing about the circle of fire to see if i was right or if i'd miss remember that um but there was a thing in this uh this pope's wikipedia entry that just says uh, like in under the black death section when it's referring to uh you know post plague uh it says suspicion fell on the jews <laughs> of course pogroms erupted around europe and then pope clement actually said that those who blamed the plague on the jews were seduced by the liar the devil that oh, liar man. the devil which you know what i'm pro pope clement <laughs> he had some good <laughs> stuff to say he i don't know man jews you don't i don't know if you want to say that i feel say. like i feel like we're gonna find out some bad shit about i should pope probably clement. stop reading now yeah. and just let him have his moment <laughs> yeah it's, it's gonna be a milkshake dog pope situation the, <laughs> turns out pope clement the sixth was racist turns out pope clement was actually problematic i am going to stop reading about pope clement now for a few reasons but mainly because i like that he liked jews and we can end it there but yeah anyway. back to the dodgers thing um it just really sucks to respond to 
an ounce of backlash yeah, you from can't a bunch do of it. You can't fascists that. like that yeah. to just cave to exactly what they want. Yep. Because they're not going to stop there. They're going to keep going until the event is canceled. Of course. They and, don't want um, like one thing. Books <laughs> are, are burned. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so fucking sick of these piss babies being taken at face value it's just what they do is complain they they live in these 48 hour rage cycles that are induced by cable news on whatever the the newest woke product is because that's their new buzzword yep and then they go on this targeted campaign which corporations can either ignore and then just go back to business as usual because these people don't matter and they don't remember anything for more than three days no not until newsmax tells them what the next thing that they're mad at is yeah or they can do what the dodgers and also target and bud light have done this week which is to cater to what has been to what has become a domestic terror campaign um by the right and by matt walsh and the daily wire and um conservative media outlets all across yep the country and if you're going to do that, then just stay the fuck out of it. Like, why? Why just, are you that's profiting? That's the thing that, but like, it just. If I, you're not going to have, I don't, an ounce. I don't get of caring about other people. Like nobody gets on that. Like the only thing that people talk to these people about is like guns, and then they equate it to like living. And then a but it's beer just, company still, it's like amazing. runs an ad with a transgender person, right. and they cry about it for yeah. over a month. They're just mad that they're um, like the minority or that yeah, they don't they, live in cities. So therefore are not marketed to because there's like less of them. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, marketing is not also, that's the thing that bothers me the most. It's like, it's such a like missing the point thing. Like marketing is just designed to make the most money. It has nothing to do with, or getting people to talk about you. It has nothing no. to do with like value or morals or whatever that's the whole point of marketing is so that it makes the company more money so it just i don't know whatever it's just it, it i'm I, i'm over and, it yeah no and the point of the dodgers uninviting these people was because they thought it was going to um cost them money and then the reason for inviting them back was because they thought that that was going to cost them money and right. now everybody's just angry at the dodgers oh, my God. and um they've yawn was both honest and sarcastic <laughs> and they've they've turned what was supposed to be a fun night into just kind of a wet fart yeah so <laughs> well said yep uh and that have a spine the corporations uh, what's next uh not just them <laughs> barry and succession are both ending this week on hbo which has suddenly decided to rebrand you to max. max you, and you just max, right? cut the hbo <laughs> out of its name which is seems like a brilliant marketing decision oh um from like, these what? business geniuses like david zaslav it's um, like if the yankees seems to just do something worse and worse every week oh ran. you're gonna connect this to the yankees analytic team yeah, just oh jesus it's like you're just missing the point <laughs> like it's oh, like brother. It just makes no sense. Reminds me of uh, what happened in 2019 after um, Avengers Endgame, which was the last like huge movie in the Marvel sequence and right. was also the last movie that people outside of like, the nerd fandom actually enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so there's been sort of this very correct perception that quality has fallen 
so severely amongst that franchise even though i haven't seen any of it since I, anyway can you call I'm, I'm just one franchise I'm, yeah you can because it that that's what they want to be they want to glob all of their shit together hbo i i think is trying to do this max change right before the finales of their two biggest shows um so that people are saying whoa it's it's max and we're seeing the end of succession and the end of barry and like what's going to be next on this max streaming platform instead of okay hbo and succession and barry are over now we're seeing this rebrand because that that would put them right at the beginning of the writer's strike and um i i don't think content is going to be very good for a while well um, i mean they have so it's, it's what, just a weird time to rebrand and it's a stupid rebrand anyway and they're doing it poorly yeah the next time they have like premiere tv coming back is the game of thrones spinoff <laughs> and then the other one the, like the Jon snow one and then the last of us so like that's both of those though are really far away um, I don't know. Name a million other The Wire, The Sopranos, the, the anything, anything from the last however many years. They, when one they, when thing ends, they always they seem have, to have another something thing else to follow on deck. It up with. Yes, yeah. Game of Thrones ended, and then they came right around with you know, like Barry came Succession. out, and Succession was soon after, and just like they have content lined up to follow the mm-hmm. end of their big shows but now it's just they're being run by the asshole david zaslov the ceo who his name uh, even has ass in it it does yeah well it has kind one ass but um who has made this concerted effort to uh blur the lines between scripted and non-scripted movies and uh tv shows which resulted in a uh creators tab under each individual movie that so like so so like raging bull for example had the creators tab of like martin scorsese irvin winkler and like you know all the other producers and everything else in an executive producer has the exact same amount of input creatively as a writer and a director well that that's what these people want you to think and that's why they they've made this decision um fortunately the uh wga and dga have already put out a joint statement condemning this and saying that they won't stand for it also this creator shit wouldn't be feasible without a widespread misunderstanding of the auteur theory which only states that a film's director can be seen as an artist on par with a painter or musician or so on. But what so many people believe to be a um, narcissistic power grab by certain directors to make people think that they are the only source of a movie's artistry sure which just is not what the theory states but i think if you would i think if you ask a lot of people what it is they're going to at least partially conceptually associate that with uh narcissism and male rage in in many cases and um that's kind of sad i i wish that there was a better understanding of this because it's it's being exploited by uh corporate ceos to make it seem like they are creatives which they aren't well we've got a really fun episode for you today and we watched a really fun movie this week we watched boston johnny the new effort from motern media's matt farley and charlie roxburgh the team that have produced a slew of recent films like heard she got married magic spot metal detector maniac as well as some 
classics like Don't Let the River Beast Get You and the uh, documentary fiction hybrid uh, Local Legends, which we would absolutely recommend. But before we get into that, we've got a little bit of baseball in the past week. Um, starting with the Yankees, who are rolling. They are rolling red hot. They swept the Cincinnati Reds. Uh, they came back. Had to. Yeah, absolutely. They uh, came back last night from a 4 nothing deficit against the Baltimore Orioles to win it 6-5 in extras. Aaron Judge hit the home run in the ninth inning to force extras, and then Anthony Volpe got his first career walk-off. Since returning from the injured list, which was May 7th, I believe was his first game back, 13 games, Aaron Judge has a 264 WRC+. He's leading the league in that span with eight homers, uh, 19 RBIs, again, in 13 games. And, uh, yeah, he's he's hitting 367, slugging almost 1,000, a WOBA up over 550, and already put up 1.4 war in 13 games um nolan gorman also on a absolute nolan gorman is a beast um he's been on fire read some stats uh sure nolan gorman also a a 242 wrc plus over the last about 14 15 games absolutely hitting the crap out of the ball also hitting 367 six homers ton of rbis ton of slugging just everything that you want for a uh, a young guy for a team that's also now rolling and who had not been. The Cardinals have kind of started to figure it out. And their offensive depth yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Like it even with even if you're employing Gorman right now as a full time DH, which I believe they are, like their outfield is still full. Um, which just makes the Wilson Contreras thing from a few weeks ago all the more hilarious. Like, <laughs> yeah. you were never going to put him in the outfield. That's completely silly. Well, Actually, Gorman's he's been playing a catching. bit of... Uh, he's been playing second still relatively sure. often. He, uh, oh, okay. Not too, too much DHing, but yes. Um, they're also... I'm, I've been a little frustrated with how they've been handling Matthew Librator recently and i have not been paying attention sure to so they matthew Liebertor. they they called him up uh, at the start of last week and they put him into the bullpen and a lot of people assumed like they were going to stretch him out uh put him into the rotation and let him get a start in this upcoming series but sure. um ali marmol said that they weren't going to do that and that they couldn't like take somebody out of what is his deal he's an idiot um but they (laughs) so they ended up throwing steven matz tonight who gave up four runs in the first inning to the cincinnati reds so you know good thing you're not throwing one of your best pitchers out there and instead you're continuing to throw steven matz jake woodford and a shell of adam wainwright it it cannot all be from him Right, like I, so the marching not, orders from the front helping. office are not good either. No, is what that has to be. I just, I don't know. It doesn't make much sense. Um, but yeah, the Cardinals, by the way, have only lost like four out of their last sixteen games ish. So they're uh, either way, you know, the bad blow up start aside, they've been uh, they've been on a tear. Uh, it was a tough week for the Toronto Blue Jays, <laughs> who after losing three out of four to the Yankees, they also got swept by the Baltimore Orioles. Love it. Um, and then 
They lost the first game in Tampa Bay, and then last night beat the brakes off the Rays, twenty yeah, to one. That was uh, uh, now it's starting a whole conversation in baseball about um, whether position or not, players. Yeah, 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 once again. By the way, we've had this conversation how many times over the last few years as fans? Uh, did you see Vladdy pimping a grand slam against like a? A position player. I didn't see that, but that's kind of lame. It's, I mean, but, like, but also Pimp like, is a little unfair. Whatever. He just like slammed his bat and did a little, you know, whatever. Yeah. But I, that's like, why even swing for the fences? About. It's just a little, know. whatever. I guess whatever. if they're going to give it to you, take it. It's just like, it's a little pathetic and kind of exactly yeah. on the nose for this Blue Jays team who has so much bark and not a lot of bite. Not <laughs> much. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever. They beat the piss out of a team twenty to one that has been great so far this season. So you can have your, you know, have your little praise for the day. Good job, but I don't know. Yeah, it happens to everybody. I'm not sure that you need to show anybody up if you hit a home run off Luke Rayleigh. <laughs> Just not really, not helping your own image there, Blue Jays, which has been that of a petulant little team of kids who haven't won anything yet and act like they're the '99 Yankees. The so Astros are back sense. to being on a roll. Um, Nobody it is saw that coming. Absurd that you ever considered dancing on their graves in a past episode. By, by, by when I considered it, I just meant that I wanted to. I didn't mean that I was actually thinking that uh, that was going to be possible. Okay. Go back and listen to it. I didn't. No, say, no. I, I just said you. I wanted to. I said I was so tempted to because I wanted to. I knew better. I knew better then. I knew better now. No that's, better now. No, that's good. But the Texas Rangers number one run differential in baseball for the first time all year. It's not the Rays. Uh, the AL West is looking pretty scary with those two teams at the top and the Angels on the cusp. Maybe the Mariners are the odd man out. Uh, it looks like it as of right now. I mean, the West is tougher than I think people were giving it credit to coming into the season. And mostly because of the Rangers being as good as they are right now. Um, but the Angels are playing pretty good ball, um, and the Rangers are finding a way to make it happen with their reloaded uh, rotation and roster. So going into tonight's games, uh, also the Mariners have been picking it up a little bit over the last couple. They're not scary yet, but they are. They've been better than they had been. They're still about five hundred. Um, yeah, they're twenty four and twenty four as of right oh, now. Okay. So by no means out of it, but in a very tough division and an exceptionally tough conference, um, it's going to be tough for them. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Uphill battle. Yep. <laughs> as it is every year because they're in the same division as the Houston Astros. So yeah. And apparently the... If you want to win over there, you got to spend a lot of money. Possibly elite Texas Rangers, maybe? I don't know. I Looks like it as um, of right now. We'll see. The Mets are still looking a little bit goofy, but they did win some crazy games against the Rays and the Guardians last week. I think they had like three separate uh, walk-offs there. They won like five games straight by one run. Yeah. Or something like that. Super wild. Yeah, um, stuff. I, I, mean, I mean, there's certainly a universe there where they lose all those games and Queens is like burning down right now. Um, and we're, we're in the one where they won all of them and Mets fans are feeling good. So. Yeah. Fun stuff. Good, good for the Mets. Why not? They had a, uh, a fun doubleheader day where it was Scherzer and Verlander going back-to-back on the same day, which uh, that's just fun for baseball. I mean, that's, that's two dudes definitely going to the Hall of Fame, um, pitching on the same day for the same team. So fun stuff. Juan Soto's looking like himself again. He's finally stopped being too passive at the plate. He's uh, 350 over the last 15. Driving the shit out of the ball. Yep. Finally picking it up in San Diego for the first time since that huge trade. 
But the Padres still aren't really winning. They are still, I believe they're still in fourth place in the NL West. In fourth place, they're 22 and 27 at current. They are behind the Giants at 24 and 25. D-backs at 29 and 21, which is very fun. And the Dodgers, 31 and 20. Yeah, that division is going to be strange. I would be shocked if this looks anything like what the standings will be in September. Um, I'd be very surprised. I still think the Padres have way, way too much talent to not come in at least third in that division. It's nice to see that they're actually turning around. I'm, I'm rooting for them. I like the Padres. I like a lot of the guys on that team, and it's I I just kind of find it hilarious that they just spent like five hundred million dollars and they are in suck. San Diego and are bad. Yeah. So it's uh, uh, you know. we're still gonna try to see him. I think when they come to the stadium yeah, this week, this week that'd be nice. Yep. Uh, Mickey Moniak, a nice little resurgence there for the Angels. Number one draft pick back in twenty sixteen. Uh, looked like a bust for a while with the Phillies. Discovering new life up with the Angels. Hit three home runs last week. Still striking out a ton, so that's a little scary. But um, he's looking like a guy that that can help maybe get a little pressure off of old Tungsten Armo Doyle. There's been a weird amount of games in the last couple of weeks where I've seen the Angels have Otani and Trout go like over, and then they win. It's the opposite of the uh, the tungsten. <laughs> like <laughs> they're anti tungstening um, about as much as they are tungstening. So it's well, hey, maybe you know, it's maybe it's turned around a little bit. Hard in to Los figure Angeles. them out. Yeah, uh, Christopher Morel got called up, hit nine home runs He's in his first nuts. twelve yeah. games. Really just loving to see that from him, a guy who was striking out at an absurd cliff and who got sent down to AAA, started the year in the minors, tore it up, got called back up, and stayed just as hot. So you always like to see that. Uh, he's a real electric presence there in chicago strikes uh, out a lot but he does hitting like 400 so not going to complain about it (laughs) similar with uh mickey moniak yep bobby miller debuted for the dodgers he looked very strong against atlanta uh his stuff plus numbers are going crazy um yeah i mean we'll see if that lasts or if those maybe hot numbers just a little, but I don't think so. Uh, he's got great stuff. I am fading his teammate Gavin Stone a little bit. Sure. Gotten beat up a, a lot, uh, relying too much on the changeup. Doesn't really have any other plus pitches, so that's a little worrisome. Uh, I think I've told this story before, but the first time I saw Bobby Miller pitch, um, it was spring training, I think in 2021. I want to say, because I know it was a long time ago, but he showed up. He had like, you know, he just had like hair and necklace going and he just looked like just an absolute baller. And then he was showing so much energy. He was going crazy. And I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> it was like one of those, you know, it was a performance where it's just like you you have to appreciate what you're seeing. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, again, this is a spring training start like two years ago, but it was just that dominant that it just catches your eye and it sticks with you. And uh, I've been looking forward to seeing him do it in the big leagues for a few years now so it's kind of fun to see and uh he crunched the braves a little bit five innings pitched he gave up uh what one run so something like that yeah, yeah. Not bad uh we had quite a few superstars on top this weekend freddie freeman aaron judge george springer jordan alvarez all on the top of the offensive leaderboards mm-hmm. and cedric mullins you can't escape him yeah neither can zach hample <laughs> Okay. Last thing, just wanted to say, uh, Anthony Rizzo 
is having a very underrated start to this season. Anthony Rizzo's on a tear. Want to read off his line? Yeah, he in well in that same stretch, the last fifteen, uh, three sixty-seven, six homers. He's got a four forty on base to eighteen WRC plus. And uh, for this season, he's got 11 homers. He's hitting 310, which is very fun. People thought that his average would jump without the shift, but not this much. Um, and he's almost got a 400 on base for the year. So um, just, you know, got to shout out my first baseman. He's absolutely crushing it. Uh, maybe it's a mental thing for him, not seeing the shift there. And he's just thinking, I just have to get a ball anywhere now. There's more places to put it. So it's working for him, whatever he's doing. Oh, yeah. It's fun to watch. Well, that'll be it for this week in baseball. We will be right back on the Mudville podcast to discuss Boston Johnny from Charlie Roxburgh and the man himself, Matt Farley. We'll be right back. Boston Johnny. Boston Johnny. Boston Johnny. Boston Johnny. Boston Johnny Boston Johnny 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 Johnny We're back The Yankees gave up 8 runs Brody ate a Clementine. I and three, we, actually. Oh, wow. Three yeah. Clementines. I Jesus. clemmed it up. And we're talking about Boston Johnny, the new film from Motern Media. Who are they? For those uninitiated, which is, dare I say, most. Motern Media is the creative team of Matt Farley and Charlie Roxburgh, who have produced some of the best, some of the most even independent cinema of the past 10 years by independent you mean they have like one camera and they don't have sets yeah and <laughs> by that i mean they are essentially home videos uh that have built a cult empire through um persistence and community sure. and word of mouth and just the endurance of the creative spirit. It's like if goofy you know? <laughs> YouTubers from 2005 made feature length movies. <laughs> yeah. And we're like still around and just, yeah. we're doing it for like the love of the game. Yeah. You know, Matt Farley likely in his uh, 2013 documentary fiction hybrid local legends, he put his real phone number into the movie and said, Hey, call me. And then <laughs> anyone who could just call him and be like, Hey man, and he'd pick up, he'd be like, Hey, yeah, it's Matt Farley. Thanks for liking the movie. Yeah, like, no, just cool. Like yeah. he's the people's filmmaker. He is uh, <laughs> the, the people's champion. <laughs> he's the filmmaker that the digital revolution promised. And, uh, he and his buddy, Charlie Roxburgh, who has directed all these movies over the past five or 10 years, um, are really the only ones occupying their very specific lane right now. It's a very specific <laughs> lane, but it's fun. It's like this movie was very fun. As somebody who has never seen anything that they've done before. Yeah, this was Brody's introduction. Um, it. I, my first question while we were watching it was, is he going to do the voice the whole time? <laughs> Which, and he did. Um, he does. Yeah, by the way, if you end up going to watch this movie, uh, he does the voice the whole time, which I, it went, it started off as like, Okay. Then it became endearing. Then it became annoying. Then it became endearing again. It, it looped all the way around. <laughs> it, it came back around. <laughs> I love the Boston Johnny voice, <laughs> it's man. Fun. Um, it's this is fun. 
Boston Johnny, definitely um, Matt Farley's most experimental role to date um, as essentially an alien who watched the movie Borat and is attempting to assemble into the greater Boston area based on those local media magnate mechanisms. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, And he is in the the form of Boston Johnny, who is this uh, spokesman for dry cookie flakes amongst a number of other products <laughs> he works for mr Clambar, who we find out took his wife's name <laughs> and uh well, it's a great last name but when given the opportunity of to course. be mr Clambar, you gotta you take gonna say it. no come on but mr Clambar loves boston johnny despite his uh chaotic onset behavior um because <laughs> You know, Boston Johnny boxes because Boston Johnny l- loves the people and the people love Boston Johnny, who is unrivaled in this regional spokesman field, with the exception of Toronto's own Will Sloan, who does come in to encroach onto Boston Johnny's not only territory but <laughs> country. Yeah, it's his country. Seeing as it's his whole country. Prior to that. Um, it seems like Boston and Toronto are the only competing media markets when it comes to cookie flake salesmen, um, which which kind of led me to the question, like, is there one here in New York? Like, is this potentially an untapped market where maybe I could fill the lane? Do you want to be Brooklyn Billy? Yeah, no, that could be so cool. Brooklyn Tommy. I, it can't be two Bs. It, has to, it can't be alliterative. Yeah, it's got to be something else. That's too easy. But I don't know. Is there is there maybe like a Baltimore spokesman or like maybe a smaller town like the Philly one who Portland? just eats horse shit all the time? And just <laughs> that's his whole game. Oh man, Boston Johnny <laughs> and uh, Toronto's own Will Sloan go head to head many times throughout the movie. Boston Johnny also goes also comes into contact with quite a number of uh, interesting characters. Tansy who is his she runs love the interest. Nook. She runs the, she's also his employer. The proprietor she runs the of the breakfast, breakfast nook. nook where he performs his songs and gets hash browns for tips. Right. Boston Actually, Johnny's that reminds me real quick, just to, uh, to point out the, my first introduction to this man, uh, was I saw an article about the guy who probably wrote a song about your hometown, I think was the name of the article. Yep. Um, so it turns out he is, he's a musician and he makes, um, he makes songs about every town in the U S uh, my town was not on there, but I think Saratoga was. It was, so yeah. My town go. was on there. You so were up I, there. I, I got one. Um, I think there was there was one for White Plains, which is close to my hometown. It was like White Plains is a town. Oh yeah, that that's like all of his it's songs. It's in Westchester, and it's a town. It's a good <laughs> place to live. <laughs> um, there was one for my dad's hometown, which was kind of fun. Yeah, he um, has one. I think he's for got, he's got good stuff. Uh, for every state. Um, he realized album. that There's his album for every single state has like gag songs, songs were the only ones getting uh, streams and providing revenue. So he said, if I increase this times a thousand, how much money could I make? And uh, now it finances his films. It worked. So apparently really just one of the most inspirational self-made stories in modern American guys cinema. Is like, I'm a make stuff. Yeah, dude. <laughs> um, Whatever it is, it'll be made. He has this hilarious relationship with his director, Charlie, who's 
he's constantly stealing Charlie's girlfriends, or at least he Guys was in, in high school, but he also has the potential to do it now at any time he wants. There's always this dynamic between the two where Boston Johnny could just steal Charlie's girlfriends at any point. Um, and then that becomes part of the contract negotiation as Charlie walks off the set and he says, I'll come back. But Boston Johnny has to agree not to steal any of my girlfriends anymore. Speaking of stealing, Boston Johnny also steals a dog, Pippi, from her rightful owner, Sleason, who is one constantly... Name. One name, that's all. Yeah. Who's Sleason? No, that's one it. of my favorite shots in the movie is like the vet file of his name where you just see the picture of him holding the dog, owner, Sleason. I love it. S-L-I-E-S-O-N for those curious. This is a man who is constantly sitting in his backyard. Um, he just hangs out. Yeah, he's just doing his thing. I mean, he well, he's probably sad because he lost his pippy dog. Yeah, pip, pippy little pip dog. Um, who, A little pippy pit. Boston Johnny is on his porch doing his vocal uh, warm-ups, and Pippi comes onto his porch, and he said he lets the dog in, and he falls in love with the dog. He says, you are melting my little heart with your canine qualities. <laughs> <laughs> it's You know what it feels like? If uh, it, I know I already said it feels like a Charlie Kelly thing, but do you remember that episode, Sonny, when they go, it's the one with the, the Hitler painting of the dog? And, I do remember that episode. Yeah, you know, at the end when um, they walk in and he's sitting there and he does the twist and then he's like, um, he's like, Ryan Gosling playing you? Ridiculous. <laughs> that's like if that scene was stretched out for an hour and a half, that's that's Boston Johnny. Oh, yeah. But it's great. <laughs> um, Kevin McGee, who has established a reputation as this sort of cult hero amongst the Motern media universe for his roles as uh, Frank Stone, former professional athlete in <laughs> Don't Let the River Beast Get You amongst a number of others in the Motern catalog. Uh, he's back in this one as the Man of the Woods. Man of the Woods. <laughs> and whenever Boston Johnny's sad, he goes to get advice from the, man of the, the man of the Woods. He's that's what do I do it. too, actually. No, of, of course. I think that's what most people do. I mean, I, I was just sort of assuming that when most people get sad, they, they go, go see, see the, the man, man in the, the woods. woods. Yeah, I honestly, I feel bad for anyone who doesn't have a man mm -hmm. in the woods. It's necessary. It seems like Boston Johnny is constantly falling in and out of favor with the people of the region. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> we're the public, we're fickle. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorite lines. Is there? We're, we're, well, just like the rest of the public, we're fickle. <laughs> they have an interview on uh, one of the news stations. And um, he adopts the pippy dog and tells the, the owner, the owner Sleason, Sleason, that he found Pippi dead by the river, but she died a hero. She was trying <laughs> to save a little chipmunk. <laughs> chipmunk. I, I can't keep doing the voice. I'm sorry. It's, um, it's fun. You know who he talks like? Who's that? The like ADR Chinese dog from Nathan for you. <laughs> oh my god from uh the is it the one with the um I'm so the, sorry yeah. i died yeah so sorry yeah. i died but i'm good now in heaven it's all good <laughs> yeah my god uh, the uh wait, what was it was the one where it was uh if the kid's pet died they made a tape mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah they're right man but uh boston johnny Tangent has aside. falling out with his director charlie he has um, multiple press conferences over the course yep, of the film as he's, well. He's got press conferences. We lead <laughs> to a duel for Pippi's love. 
Um, all I don't want of questions these things. from bad, or bad reporters. I want good questions from good journalists. <laughs> what um, do you think is the moral standing of stealing another man's dog? I'm not going to take that question. <laughs> I was genuinely invested in Sleason getting his dog back I, by the I, end. I, I was, was like, uh, dude, he's yeah. got to, you got to give Sleason his dog back. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that these movies make me uh, care about stuff like that. Yeah, there's a lot of, you kind of feel like maybe job. most people wouldn't be able to draw those emotions out of a movie like this. But right. these guys do a, a really great job of, um, um, it's just like each, I think it's the repetition and just, you know, everybody feels important to the story in a way that like nothing feels important in this movie, but like, you know, from a writing standpoint, there's it's such a things, sense of, uh, community and yeah. camaraderie amongst these you get to know the characters people, and, know? um, yeah. the, the filmmaking behind it too is so, uh, inherent to the appeal of these movies where we can see like it's at its core it's a guy having fun with his friends and with his family and he's he's making the these movies that he can uh, he can have for the rest of his life and that he can show to people and that people will like and uh i i just i find that to be very uh very heartwarming yeah that's fun the amount of times that you hear um you know toronto's own will sloan and i th- i would like to do a count of how many times the phrase Boston Johnny is said in this film. Oh, dude. I watched it. Um, <laughs> I mean, it has to be like 400. <laughs> like, I watched this movie last night when I found out that it, it came out. I did my, my first watch through. Um, and then today I like skimmed through it again as I was like taking notes to, for this podcast. Yeah. Um, and then tonight I watched it again with you. So I've now seen Boston Johnny like kind of three times in the sure. past 24 hours. Oh, dear God. Um, I'd, I'd like to know how many times I've heard the name Boston that's, that's Johnny. That's a lot of Johnny. Yeah, no, I've, I've, I've gotten my fill on this for a little, at least until uh, the sequel to Matt Farley's Heard She Got Married. Sure. Uh, which is titled Heard She Got Murdered. Whoa. Comes out Twist. soon. Um, they had the Motern Media extravaganza in Massachusetts this past weekend where he premiered the movie. And uh, it, it really sounds like it was just a blast. And I wish that yeah. I could have made it. And maybe I'll try to go to, to next year's event. Sure. If they have one. I um, also love the choice to make this movie, by the way, completely in black and white, which is hilarious. Because <laughs> it makes, honestly, there are some shots that I was like, there's the, there's a scene with the man in the woods where like the guy's line delivery just feels like, uh, it feels like you'd be flipping through channel. Like, do you remember TV Land, the channel? No, no, but that that certainly rings a bell. Okay, it was the one that was in between Nickelodeon and like ESPN or Cartoon Network or something like that. So I always probably remember, not on my channels. But oh, fair yeah, enough. Keep going. <laughs> in in my house in my cable box or whatever. So it was like Nickelodeon was thirty three. I think like Cartoon Network was like thirty five or something. ESPN was thirty six, and TV Land was thirty four. So I would always be like flipping through and tv land is like it would just mostly show like gun smoke reruns or something or like you know the honeymooners or whatever like tv from the 50s and 60s um and it was always some very like hardened man in black and white and he's a cowboy he'd be talking like this and then you'd be on it for a second and then you'd flip next to you know cartoon network or whatever but i always just have a very specific image of like what was seen there and it was you know very um 
like still camera shot, not like very static shot of just, you know, this tough looking guy. And that there was a moment where I was like, this looks like something from a completely other decade, but what they're talking about is so ridiculous. It's like the I think the the style is just uh it it makes it feel a lot more serious, which is kind of fun. There's a sense of intimacy to all of the Moturn movies that just draws yeah, you like in and makes watching you want to watch all movies. of them. Like yeah. it's just it it's warm and it washes over you, and it's it's really nice. And uh, I think these guys might be like the most. In addition to Matt Farley being the most prolific songwriter in the world, they might be the most prolific filmmakers right now with like five movies or so over well, the past maybe few a years. feature length but it's well it's like them and yeah 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 exactly feature length it's like them and like hong sang su maybe um uh yes hong sang su so, yeah i know you don't know who that is but <laughs> i think that might be about it do we have anything else to say about boston johnny um worth the watch try to uh open your mind a little bit <laughs> before you watch it go in knowing that it's kind of ridiculous and fun if you do it's a, it's a lot it. of fun um i um, would recommend also yeah, it, yep it's on vimeo um i would recommend starting with uh local legends when you are accommodating yourself to the farley roxburg universe uh that one came out 10 years ago in 2013 sure and it kind of explains what matt farley does uh and you know how he's able to do what he has done and it's it's really nice it's a really fun movie about making movies um i would recommend don't let the river beast get you uh she got married this was the first one that i saw i I didn't know anything about them and i you know it's Again, it takes a second to kind of like rewire your brain while you're watching it. Just real quick, just because it's like, you know, you haven't really seen anything like it. So it, it yeah. just takes a second. I'm a huge um, fan of uh, them when you're in it. Metal it's fun. Detector Maniac. You get into it. Yeah. Um, so I, I just absolutely recommend watching everything that these guys have done. It's all available on Vimeo. Uh, well worth the price of rental. Also have to shout out the Important Cinema Club podcast uh which is where i first discovered these guys uh is from the extensive work that they've done they've literally written the book on these guys yeah that's been it uh this has been the mudville podcast thank you so much for tuning in we hope you guys enjoyed our commentary on boston johnny uh be sure to rate us five stars go find us on twitter at mudville pod uh, you can find me at Duck in the Coil, you and you find can find me at Board Guy Twenty Three B O R D G Y Two Three. This has been Mudville. I've been Nolan Rabine. I've been Brody Stout. Thank you very much. Catch Goodbye, you guys. Next week.